1: Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Hey, welcome to the Mining Pod. This is our first time airing on the Coindesk Podcast Network, and thank you for tuning in with us. If you like the show, definitely follow us here on the Coindesk Podcast Network, or go check us out on the Mining Pod feed as well, where we're going to be publishing on Tuesdays. And Fridays going forward. This show encapsulates information from the Bitcoin and Bitcoin mining areas of the crypto industry, mostly focusing on builders, shakers, and movers, and developers within Bitcoin and Bitcoin. Mining. In today's show, we're joined by John Stephanopoulos. He's the founder and CEO of FutureBit, a Brooklyn-based Bitcoin miner that is building small Bitcoin miners to bring them back into the home and office. It's a very interesting show from an ideological perspective on how we should continue to decentralize the Bitcoin mining network through building different types of hardware. Get through it with John on quite a few different topics, and I would encourage you to go check out futurebit.com to go see what sort of products that might be interesting to you. Okay, before we jump into the show, a few other details. First, we'd like to push you towards our newsletter, Blockspace.media. You can go check that out. It's a simple form, and then you get quick, concise information on all things Bitcoin and Bitcoin mining to your inbox twice weekly. You can find a link below in today's show notes. Lastly, we want to shout out CleanSpark, the sponsor for this podcast. You'll hear a little bit from CleanSpark later in the episode. Okay, let's jump into the podcast. Welcome back to the Mining Pod. On today's show, we're joined by John Stephanopoulos, the founder of FutureBit. We've been giving away some FutureBit Apollo 1 units, so it's cool to get John on. And they just launched a new product over the holiday. So John, welcome to the show. Good to be here. Yeah, so let's dive into all things FutureBit. Of course, you guys have uh, one of the more ideological products out there, which is why I was excited to bring you guys on, um, which is sort of unpacking all the things that you guys have been doing what is FutureBit? How'd you get into the space? All those super basic intro podcast questions. Yeah. So
0: our whole mission at the company is to decentralize the hash rate and get as many people involved in the base layer of Bitcoin as possible um, and doing it in a way where um, anybody that is not even tech savvy can get into it and actually run a full node and participate in mining. Um, so that was kind of like the genesis of, of the company. Um, I, I personally founded the company back in 2015 because as you can see, I'm in New York City, lived in a studio apartment. Um, and back then, um, was about the time that, uh, the, the big, you know, bitmains and it's pretty much only bitmain back then anyway, uh, stopped producing whole mining hardware. Um, so like, The S, I would say the S5, S6 was like the last line in Bitmain where it was like sub thousand watts where you could, you know, reasonably run something like that in your house. Um, And then there was like a lot of other companies in the space around them that were building, you know, home based devices, but they either all went bankrupt or went out of business because, you know, they couldn't uh, deliver the product. Um, So, after all those companies left bitmain decided to go full you know corporate and, and mining farm and just you know serve a few customers and send out thousands of units which you know in a hardware mining business makes sense um so there was a huge void um in uh hardware for home users and that's kind of where i was like you know this this is not how bitcoin was designed to be run and i kind of stepped in and Started with a bunch of little USB miners. Um, that's, that's how the company started. Um, we actually took, uh, a bunch of ASICs from a defunct, uh, ASIC company. Um, took all their ASICs, took all their design stuff, um, all their bankruptcy stuff and kind of started the company around that. Um, and, you know, it slowly grew from there. Um, we're completely grassroots, pretty much to zero marketing zero VC funding, um, it's all, uh, customers buying our product and then slowly growing through there. Um, and that's kind of how I've been able to keep, um, the core principles of the company alive. Um, otherwise, you know, there, there's a lot of pressure in the space to do other things. And, uh, that's the only way I've, I've been able to navigate that and, and stay true to, to the mission of trying to change Bitcoin and then like, and get as many people involved as possible.
1: How do you go about the marketing stuff? I'm interested on that note, maybe just because I, I work in that land for a product like this, it probably has, I don't know how high R and D costs, but some R and D costs. Um, and then you're putting out a product that you need people to buy. How do you think about it? It's just like mostly word of mouth or continue to put out a good product and people are purchasing it. It's,
0: yeah. 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 It's uh, I it's it's been it's been hundred percent grassroots um from the beginning um so uh we've just slowly grown our customer base um through each area of product gotten more customers involved those customers you know tell their friends and family and we just have been growing organically since then um and each time we do a product introduction you know of our you know our mix of new customers versus old is usually like sixty forty so it's mostly our old customers buying products or upgrade, um, and you know we've been barely able to keep up with demand just through that. So you know, doing doing a uh, broader um, marketing for new customers uh, is what we're you know what we're going to be doing in the next year to to grow the company. Um, but we need to get our manufacturing up uh, and supply up uh, before we can do that. Um, so that's kind of like the focus of, of, um, next year is kind of getting Bitcoin outside of the general Bitcoin enthusiast market, um, which is what we've been catering to to for the past couple of years and getting it into, you know, the people that have, let's say bought Bitcoin on Coinbase, and that's all they know about it. Um, you know, We, we want to market to these people and be like, here's the other world of Bitcoin and why Bitcoin is so important for the financial freedom of the world and why you should be running these systems in your house. Um, so that's, that's kind of the next phase of, of
1: growth for us. Okay, so we'll definitely get to the ideological side on that because I, for one, enjoy it. And as a former home miner who kind of got burned on electrical costs, uh, I want to hear more about it. Let's talk about the new product you guys just put out and talk about the evolution of products that came before it. So, you guys just launched, I believe, it was the Apollo 2 that came out, yeah, or is yeah. re- rebranded? Right there. right there. Right there. Love it. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So, tell me about the unit. Yeah. So, here I'll, for your
0: audience that's watching, I'll, I'll show it off a little bit. Um, so, this is, this is the Apollo 2, it's a little six inch block it's nice on your desk
1: yeah i like the um, so, uh, the feel and look of it
0: yeah so we you know we wanted to our our original apollo was kind of like a more industrial look so we were like okay for for this product we want to make it look like something anybody can place on their desk and not feel intimidated by it so th- this was our you know our original apollo product um, yeah and just so for a size comparison, you know,
1: it's Oh yeah, it's about twice as big. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Um
0: so the the big change for um the Apollo two is we integrated the power supply in the unit. Um and we doubled the the output of it. Um so what we found with the original Apollo was most people were buying two or more. Um so and kind of going back to to you know what you mentioned in terms of power bills and, and why a lot of people get turned off of mining. Um, when we launched the original Apollo, we we chose a target um, wattage of 100 watts on purpose because that's was the the wattage level where most people wouldn't see an impact on their power bill. Um, so it was you know a sub five dollar addition to your power bill, and, and most people wouldn't shut down the device just because their power bill goes you know five dollars more each month. So our goal was okay. Let's let's build a device where, no matter what the Bitcoin price is, people continue to mine and support the network, regardless of what the economics of it was. Because you know, no one's going to care about an extra couple dollars a month on their power bill. Um, So with Apollo two, you know, we found out that most people actually were running two anyway. um, So we upped the the power output to double. Um, So. The Apollo 2 comes with a integrated 500 watt power supply. Um, so it, it hashes between two to 400 watts and, um, about six to 10 terahash of hash rate. Um, and uses the latest five nanometer node. So it's about 30 watts per terahash, uh, range, um, in terms of efficiency. Um, and then the big, uh, feature software feature that we've added to it is our uh, our solo stratum pool feature um so what a lot of solo a lot a lot of home miners do with lower end devices is they solo mine um so they point it to a solo pool where instead of you know gaining let's say 500 satoshis a day um and hoping that you accumulate enough where the transaction fees are, are to a point where you can actually pay out, which would take, you know, even with our device, would take over a year to do. Um, What a lot of people do instead is just point it to a uh, a solo pool and hope they hit a six Bitcoin block, Um, which is a cool way uh, of of supporting the network because at the end of the day, what we care about is having as much hash power out there, creating free, uncentrable blocks. So whether that block is found through a single solo miner or through a, a solo pool, it's all the same thing in my mind at the end of the day. Um, so the more solo blocks that we have being found out there, the better it is for the network. Um, and this is kind of like a cool incentive way for people to to run these small devices on their desk. Um, because instead of, you know, thinking, oh, I'm just only making a couple of satoshis a day, here's a little lottery miner where I have, you know, a hundred times the chance of, of hitting a block than finding, you know, Powerball, let's say, uh, a daily chance. Um, and it's just a way cooler incentive uh, of running small machines. And that's kind of like what the, the trend has been uh, over the last couple of years with, with small mining devices. So um, the the software that we're, included, we're including with Apollo 2, and that's also going to be able to be run on, on the original Apollos, is... Um, Bringing that solo pool functionality directly into the device. So what you're essentially doing is running a whole Stratum solo uh, server on your own personal device. So that means that device itself is is solo mining onto your own personal node. But the cool part is you can also point any um, hash that you have to that device as well. Um, so let's say you're a small miner that has you know 10 s19s. You can point those S19 is sent to a pool. You can point it to your own personal pool. That solo yeah. mine straight to your node. Um, so it's the first time that something like this is available in a plug and play fashion for for people that aren't technical. So we're we're excited for it, and um, we think 2024 is going to be the first year someone's going to find a solo block uh, on a personal device, which has not happened since you know. The original satoshi days so that's going to be a a threshold moment in in the history of bitcoin so we're excited about it
1: that'd be quite the windfall to get six yeah yeah. before the happening especially if you uh you know crank that one yeah because like you know you you hear all the news
0: when someone finds a a solo block on a solo pool and and that's super cool and rare uh but when someone finds it on their own personal device running their own node
1: that's going to be that's going to be a yeah, I think a beautiful moment for Bitcoin. So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. just like turning on your monitor and seeing that you have a you know six point two five Bitcoin in your wallet, just right. to be right. uh, pretty pretty incredible. Um, yeah. tell me a little bit about like how you think customers think about the economics for a unit like this, and how you think about it as well. Um, because there's a price point for a machine, there's a payback period. To me, when I look at something like this, I think it's more like an ideological thing. Like I want to mine Bitcoin. I want to be a part of the network. This is the most simple way to onboard, and so I'd go ahead and purchase stuff. And I've done like that that kind of stuff in the past. But it might be possible with like the low joules per terash and things like that to think about a pay, payback period. So I'm curious your thoughts on that.
0: Yeah. So I mean, obviously, we we get this a lot, and you know, a, a lot of people, you know, the criticism and, and of, of our company is that you know we sell unprofitable, expensive devices, um, and that's not what our market is or, or who we are targeting to. We're, we're targeting it to people that have started to dive deeper into Bitcoin and starting to understand it more and want to participate in the base layer of Bitcoin. Um, and there's no hardware out there that is plug and play that allows you to have the full ecosystem on your desktop. Um, so that's kind of the value add that we bring to the product. It's, it's a plug and play device. Um, like I, I personally think of it as a, Bitcoin node first. Um, that includes a small miner as an incentive to run that node. That's kind of how I think of our product. Um, our, like our my main mission is to bring millions of nodes online, um, and through the miner incentive of doing that, um, and and that's what a lot of our customers uh, that buy the product, you know, they're they're interested in running the node, and a cool way to to you know have a little space heater that also mines and, and accumulates a little bit of a Bitcoin. Um, and most of our customers come, you know, we have very few questions on ROI when when people buy a product. Um, and we st- we even steer our, pro- our our customers away when they do ask that. We're like, you should do a little more research. Um, yes. This is not for you. Um, and, you know, we, we don't, we're, we're not the type that will we'll sell the product just to sell it. Yeah. Um, you know, we want you to be, we want you to understand Bitcoin and understand what you are buying before you buy it. Um, and, and that's kind of our stance on it. Um, and a lot of people are getting it and and a lot of more people are are waking up to, to the whole mining, uh, revolution that, that we kind of spearheaded. And there's a lot of new companies popping up, uh, doing what we're doing with different hardware and different ways of doing it. Um, and it's really cool to see, um, People are getting excited about, uh, you know, bring hash power back to two homes. And there's a lot of ways to do it. We're just one way of doing it. And um, we need a lot more companies than just FutureBit doing it um, in order to to get to the point where there's enough hash rate out there producing free, uncentable blocks, uh, competing with the huge miners out there that control, you know, over 75% of the hash rate right now. Yeah. Um, so...
1: In the competitive world of Bitcoin mining, one name stands out CleanSpark, America's Bitcoin miner. At CleanSpark, efficiency isn't just a goal, it's our standard. Our sophisticated facilities are built and led by expert teams who care about Bitcoin and the communities we work in. Scale? We've mastered it. Our large-scale operations have set us apart in the industry as examples of community-oriented building. Our track record speaks for itself. We navigate the complexities of the new economy with precision and with skill, continuously achieving operational milestones. Curious about how we do it? We invite you to discover the story behind CleanSpark's success at CleanSpark.com. Let's go back to the product really quickly and then we would dive in back into that part on the mm. uh, mining centralization. So what has been the product development from 2015 onwards and how'd you kind of get to this point with the Apollo 2?
0: Um, so we, like I said, we started off with uh, these little USB miners. Um, so just sold most of our products that we sold in terms of volume, what were those USB miners uh, we sold all over fifty thousand of those uh when we started um between twenty fifteen and two thousand eighteen. Um and that kind of funded um the R and D on the Apollo, um which was a much larger endeavor. Um we had to design uh we, we partnered with a company to design the ASIC and, and partnered with them to to build that first uh, fourteen nanometer ASIC that we used um in in the original Apollo. Um which took a lot of money, a lot of resources. Building a hardware startup is is not easy, um, but you know we're we're a super small and lean team. Um, the the core team is just five people that, that builds the whole product, um, and that's how we've been able to survive three bear markets uh, so far, and and um, we have done the big you know marketing splashes of of selling you know. Million units that we can't deliver. Uh, we've we've delivered every single product that we sold, and, and that's kind of how uh, you know we've stayed alive and, and continued to grow. Um, we're, you know, we grow slowly, but that's that's how um, that's how I like doing things, and how uh, we keep the the company and vision alive for the long term. So you know, we've got a super long term goal, and we're slowly building ourselves to that goal, and, and we're excited about it.
1: Definitely. So I guess that's the counter is you guys are going slow versus some of these public miners that are growing like weeds. I and mean, two years ago, it was a single digit percentage or maybe three or four years ago, a single digit percentage of public miners in the US. And now it's like around 30% of the hash rate. The reason for that, obviously, is like public money, like fiat money coming into the system. A lot of these teams are taking advantage of that. What right. are like your concerns with the centralization of mining maybe in the states or just in general uh for those who are probably not super familiar with that argument.
0: Yeah, so I mean the main concern and and you know it's, it's kind of come to light this year more um and people are starting to recognize it more um is the problem of centralization with these big farms. Um so all all these most of these companies are publicly traded companies first of all. So um you know their their first duty is to their shareholders and not bitcoin. Um, and number two, they're all centralized entities with centralized um, facilities. So, you know, there's, there's no decentralization aspect in terms of the block creation with these companies. Um, all these blocks, as far as I'm concerned, are centralable, And they, we've seen where, you know, pools plus the companies involved with the pools have censored uh, blocks. Um, they're, you know, that whole F2 pool fiasco a couple weeks ago is an example of that. Um, and my fear is that this will continue to, to proliferate in, in the centralized mining aspect of, of uh, block creation. Um, and there needs to be a counter to that. Um, I'm not saying it's all bad. I'm not saying all these companies are, are, you know, are not Bitcoiners or, or they're not working towards uh, making Bitcoin a... a a free and uncentrable asset. Um, but we have to make sure there's uh, enough hash power to counter that. Um, so, you know, let's say a bunch of pools are, are you know, the government comes in and says, okay, these transactions or these uh, transactions coming from these countries, you have to censor. They're ha- You know, sure they can do that, but they can't stop other miners from including those transactions in their blocks. And that's kind of what, um, we're trying to do so. We're we're building a device where you can point your hash directly to it, find blocks, and you know you can choose what uh, node software you want to run on it. You can choose what transactions you you want to accept, um, but most people will run you know the the base Bitcoin core setup. And and you know the the point is that there's going to be um, enough of those blocks created where even if you are living in a country where it's censored they'll be able to get your transaction in into that block eventually and and that's that's kind of you know what what the purpose of what we're trying to do is and and you know that's the purpose of decentralization that's that's why we need a lot more participants on the network it can't be just you know four major pools controlling uh, over 75% of the hash rate there has to be at least you know 50% of the hash rate being something other than that, um, and that that's why we need a lot more companies other than us doing this um, so we're 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 gonna be helping um, accelerate that this year um so we'll 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 have some cool announcements in the next year where we're kind of we're kind of be gonna be opening up our our hardware platform for more startups so oh, we' we'll, gonna nice. we'll take out that that initial you know. 10 to 20 million. You need to to you know get stuff like this going um, and offer just you know our, our base hardware out there for people to integrate into into other um, systems and, and ways of mining at home. Um, so that that's going to be it's going to be cool in the future and um, a lot more stuff in our pipeline that will accelerate all of this.
1: Yeah, definitely a lot of questions uh, I got for you about home mining solutions or micro mining solutions. Going back to the block template thing, that obviously came pretty into the conversation, on, uh, at least on Twitter and other spots, because of what happened with ocean mining. And they gave up like, block template structures that you can use now, which is interesting. Uh, then also with F2 pool, choosing to censor some transactions. Uh, tell me a little bit about that coming into the light. How long have you kind of had that thesis that pools and miners were going to start implementing those things, and how do you think that changes with the introduction of uh inscriptions and ordinals into the conversation yeah i mean
0: uh, I've, I've been talking about this since you know two thousand and fifteen and uh you know back then there was a uh Bitcoin can do no wrong type of mentality across the community and and nobody would you know acknowledge it um And now it's reached the point where they can't ignore it anymore. Um, So, you know, you know, there's obvious factions within and outside of Bitcoin trying to do damage to Bitcoin for obviously reasons. And and people, um, you know, can't ignore that fact anymore. Um, So whether which side you stand on the principal end of things, um, you have to recognize that um, there is damage going on to Bitcoin and and the usability of it. And people, you know, my mission is is to get that out there and have people decide where they want Bitcoin to go. Um, You know, it shouldn't be up to a bunch of companies and pools deciding that. Um, You know, people should understand the the complexities of the issues and and understand what the trade-offs are for for what's going on in the ecosystem and um, choose a path for Bitcoin that makes the most sense for the people and and for free and non money um that's that should be the, the 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 beacon that's that's guiding everybody in bitcoin but unfortunately you know when there's this much money involved that gets lost and uh if we don't get back to the principles of why bitcoin was uh created in the first place what's the point uh what's the point if um blackrock and vanguard Start taking millions of Bitcoin and in, into their custody, uh, control, um, you know, a majority of the hash rate through these proxies. And then Bitcoin becomes a bank 2.0. Um, and that's a very, very easy reality to, to become, uh, in the future if, if we don't counter that. Um, uh, you know, that's, that's my big prediction that I'm sure I'll get a lot of heat of, <laughs> uh, uh, Like, like I got a lot of heat talking about, you know, just basic censorship stuff years ago. Um, But, you know, this has to, you know, more people need to, need to realize this, that that's what's going on and need to stand up for what they want to fight for Bitcoin to be in the future. So, yeah.
1: So you definitely present like a home mining solution or a micro mining solution. What do you think about the argument that Bitcoin mining does? Have some aspects of it that enable it to uh, decentralize pretty well in an industrial sense, where you can have like low energy and be mining from Latin America or be mining in Russia. I and mean, even this year or last year now, we saw Russia's uh, hash rate resurge and grow a lot, right? And so you know, if we have like Russian miners and they're still under those sanctions, yet we also have these publicly listed miners. We kind of have like this perfect conflict between enemies where they have to like kind of work together and they can't really change much with the ecosystem. Do you think that's like a possible scenario to play out? And are you unhappy with that scenario kind of playing out where we do have kind of like a a cold war with inside Bitcoin but leads to kind of a stalemate and no censorship?
0: Well right. I mean that's that's kind of what's holding things together right now is is that is that um, that type of um, Competition between the big miners, let's say. Um, so, you know, there's obviously more ideological minded big miners that, that are fighting censorship and, and others that, you know, once government tells them to do something, they'll do it. Um, but my worry in, in that regard and kind of like the nation state narrative of Bitcoin mining where all these huge, you know, mining is no longer possible at all for any home miner. And it's all done by a huge nation states and corporations. Um, the problem with that is when it comes to uh, corporations and nation states, they usually collaborate with each other, especially on important topics that they collaboratively control. Um, so if there's huge powers controlling 90% of Bitcoin hash rate, they'll probably come to a consensus if it's only 100 entities controlling it, right? So. That's my worry uh, about that narrative playing out for Bitcoin mining. Um, because no matter what, it, it's going to be a couple hundred people making these decisions, and you can make decisions when there's only a couple hundred people involved. What we're trying to do, and the counter to that is let's have a million people producing blocks. Sure, it's not, it's going to be one every day of those million producing a block. But as long as there's millions solo mining and producing blocks, there's no way there's going to be any consensus with, yeah. with, within those 1 million people, right? They're just going to do what's best for Bitcoin just on, on the principal basis of things um, because they have no other incentive to do so uh, other than I'm going to mine six or three Bitcoin. I want to be able to to transact that Bitcoin. So I'm going to do what's best for that, you know, That reality, which will be make sure I don't censor any transactions. Um, But when you have just 100 people controlling all of that, that that's gets thrown out the window.
1: From a hardware perspective, you guys are kind of managing that with this solution. And if you guys have enough numbers, and there's other people like money on like one S nineteen at home and all that kind of thing, that's that's fantastic. On a software side, I think we're seeing that heat up right now, especially around block templates, where people are like, okay, most people use Bitcoin Core block templates. They don't really make any changes. Ocean is adding like I think they have three different. They have like the core an ocean inscriber feature, and then they have one that like purges, uh inscriptions. All right. From your perspective, what is like the software side look like going forward? And we have Strive B two in the conversation with demand just launching, Ocean's thing, core in itself. Uh, how are you guys looking at the software? Where would you like to see it grow? Yeah. I, I...
0: I think on the software side, and, and I'm, on, I'm on the, the, uh, the side of um, you're, you're not going to be able to stop um, any type of, let's say, spam attack on, on Bitcoin, no matter what you do on the software side. It's just the nature of how Bitcoin is, is designed. Um, if, you, if you try to filter something out, they're, they're going to figure out a new way to do it with a new mechanism. Um, so it's, it's super hard to, to fight this cat and mouse game of, uh, trying to filter transactions, trying to stop a certain type of transactions while I don't agree with it. And, um, I think Bitcoin should just be facilitating payment transactions, which is what it's designed for and, and allowing, um, someone from, um, uh, a not well off part of the world to be able to send, uh, you know, $100 worth of Bitcoin that takes, you know, 10% of your, of your, uh, of your Bitcoin and transaction fees to do right now. I, I, you know, that, that's, that's not great. Um, but the, the reality is, um, you know, block space is going to get more scarce. It's going to be hard to, to send transactions on, on chain, um, on, on direct chain. So on the software side of things, I think we need a big push on, on layer two solutions. Um, Lightning is great, but there's a lot of drawbacks and, and things that need to be fixed uh, to make it super easy um, for people to use. Um, but there, there needs to be more robust layer two solutions and, and multiple layer two solutions. Um, I love what the FedEx guys are doing. That's another solution that, that could work out long term. Um, <clears throat> but we have to understand that we're, we're in the, uh, the AOL days of of uh bitcoin um all these u- easy to use um systems and and uh ux designs are coming out now um now is when you know w- what the future of, of mass adoption and bitcoin ui will look like going forward so we're still still super early and i'm not really concerned about that part um i think the software will come out that will make it much easier for for users to transact on layer twos. And, and that will probably be the future for, for most of, um, small based payments transactions on, on Bitcoin network. Um, but in terms of the mining side of things, there, yeah, there's a lot of stuff like Stratum D2 that's, that's coming out. Um, we'll, we'll probably be implementing that as well for people that, you know, do want to mine to a pool, but have some sort of control over transactions being mined. Um, so yeah there there there's a lot of cool um, cool stuff coming out uh in the next few years that will facilitate a lot of um, individual user uh um, design and, and and choices around what's being mined in
1: a block I'm curious since you brought it up do you think that there should be like a soft fork in the future for introducing any of these l2 designs or are you pretty happy with some of the solutions that don't? necessarily need it like a Feamine or a cashew or even like a, a botanic lab spider chain
0: I mean if if there's if there's a design proposal where you know here's a solution that's been tested and will work and will scale um, I, I don't see an issue doing a soft work to implement something like that um, gotcha as, as long as it's been tested and and you know there's big consensus around the, the Bitcoin community uh, like there was around SegWit. Um, uh, and, and, and software proposals like that.
1: Um, yeah, I'm not, I'm not opposed to that. Yeah, one thing I'm kind of looking toward this year and it's been like a prediction I've been kind of like pushing on the, on the show is that with the China mining ban, all these miners coming to the US maybe for the first time or uh, just coming over and being in, uh, in the US or in, in the West, I should say, that means they're going to be more involved in the technical community. And I think that these miners are going to be more incentivized to give out options that are uh, better for miners as opposed to like better for the network and hopefully like those things cross over together but from an l2 standpoint there's definitely a few l2 solutions out there like roll-ups or drive chains or whatnot that would benefit miners more and curious to see what happens with that going into uh, 2024 um, just to close out wanted to get your thoughts on where people can find you where people can uh, go and purchase future bit. Uh, machines and anything else.
0: Yeah, so um, we're uh, we're we do most of our sales directly through our site. So it's futurebit.io. Um, pretty active on Twitter at futurebit. That's our main handle. Um, and yeah, my my handles face Stefanop1 on, on Twitter. Usually live on Twitter like everybody else. then um, we uh, we do have a, a distributor in Europe as well. Um, trying to get more distributors uh, to to make it as easy as possible for for worldwide sales. So if you're in a country and doing tech type of uh, distribution, definitely reach out. We're we're definitely looking for that to grow our uh, overseas distribution sales.
1: Nice. Yeah, we definitely have some... Well, we actually have listeners from every continent on this, but LATAM and Africa certainly come to mind as options for distributors. So if you're listening, give us a reach. Okay, John, thank you so much for the podcast. Appreciate it. Enjoy your weekend. Hopefully, Bitcoin ETF goes through next week. And if you're listening to this, maybe not. Uh, I don't know your take is on the Bitcoin ETF. <laughs> you gave me a little smirk there, so maybe you don't want it to happen.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's that's a whole other rabbit hole.
1: So, <laughs> another show then. Cool. Yeah, yeah. Thanks for your time. Pleasure. Thanks for having me.